Thank you for checking out the Christian Faith Center podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you will not be met with shame, guilt, or condemnation. No matter what you've been through or what questions you might have, Christian Faith Center is a church where you will find the grace, mercy, and forgiveness Jesus gives to everyone. Our goal is to love people to life. I don't know about you, but I'm super excited. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going over three blessings of Abraham, but today is Father's Day. First and foremost, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads. Can we put our hands together for all the dads in the house? All the dads, the barbecues, and the fishing, but we got a little bit of, uh, we got a bonus sermon this morning, specifically for Father's Day, so we're going to take a, a little bit of an intermission, we're going to sidestep from the, the series that we're going through, and this one specifically, we're going to call the blessing of inheritance. I want everybody to say inheritance this morning, it's very important. All right, let's try that again. Inheritance. I'm going to get you engaged this morning. All right, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 through 29, 26 through 29. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, and it will be behind me as well if you did not bring your Bibles with you this morning. The Bible says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't Isn't that just good news? Each and every one of you here this morning, and all of those who are not here this morning, we are children of the Most High God. And it continues on and it says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. I want, I want you to compartmentalize that this morning. You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you, to you. I want to take out the the word you and put your name in there this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I just ask that you would allow me to step out of your way this morning. People came not to hear Pastor Eric. They came here to hear your voice. Would you speak to us? Would your truth penetrate to our our spirits, our souls, God, and our minds? God, would you prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning in Jesus' mighty name? Amen. Amen. See, the Bible teaches that we become children of God through faith in Christ. So that means putting your faith in Jesus and coming through Jesus, you are, you are now heirs, you are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. See, I think this is so important for each and every one of us to understand because our inheritance is truly wrapped around our identity. You know, we look in society and the culture today, the, the one thing that this youth, and really if we're honest, even adults struggle with is identity. What do I identify with? Who do I identify with? But it tells us here, all those who come to, through Jesus in faith, you are his child, you are his son, you are his daughter this morning. See, we're no longer identified the way that the world wants us to be identified. They want to put labels on us. Well, you're, 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 you're this color, you're that color, you're this political party, you're that political party. You, you belong in this state, you belong in this group. I don't know about you, but I'm a walk, walking oxymoron. I don't belong to any group. I'm a nerd. I'm a jock. I, I like this, which is counter to this. I don't know if you're anything like me this morning, but it, when, it, when, I settle, when I settle at night and I realize that I am the child of God, it doesn't matter what the world puts a label on me this morning because I belong to him. 
I am his son. I am his daughter. I lean into him and not in what the world says. No more racism. Jews, Gentile, it doesn't matter. I don't care to wear your, your, your background or your political party or your economic status, what car you drive or you don't drive. You're still a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Can I get an amen this morning? You were heirs. I, I love that word, heirs, rightful owners of what it is, the blessings and the things of God. Not to be sitting on the shelf and go, wow, that looks really good. Man, I wish I could have that. He's telling you it's yours. As a son, as a daughter, as an heir this morning, it is for you to take a hold of. But I want us to really just look. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper this morning. I want to look in three different areas that Abram fought for. And really, if we're going to be honest this morning, areas that we need to fight for in our own lives, in our, for our children, for our family, for our country, these specific areas that we need to be contending for, if you will, in our lives. I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis, the first one in the Bible. 14, starting in verse 12. The Bible says this. They also captured Lot, Abram's nephew, who lived in Sodom and carried off everything he owned. But one of Lot's men escaped and reported everything to Abram, the Hebrew, who was living near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, the Amorite. Mamre and his relatives, Eshcol and Anir, were Abram's allies. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. Then he pursued Kedoleo, Ked. Ole Omers, I got that right. Ketole Omers is how it's pronounced. Army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. Ked's army fled, but Abram chased them as far as Hobar, north of Damascus. Abram recovered all of the goods that had been taken, and he had brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. The first, the first area that Abram fought in that I want to discuss this morning is this. Abram fought for his sons. Abram fought for his sons. But before we go a little bit further this morning, I want us to realize something. The, the, the idea, the concept of master and servanthood in Eastern culture at this time. See, I understand in American culture, masters and servanthood has a negative connotation because it was abused in the form of slavery. People, uh, a select race, a select group, and, and they were abused. They weren't taken care of. They weren't loved. They were drunk through the mud. They were sold. They were not taken care of whatsoever. So in American culture, this seems like a, a foreign concept. But at the time, in Eastern culture, they were considered like family. They were taken care of financially. They were loved. And matter of fact, a slave in Eastern culture in this time, if the master had no children of their own, the slave would inherit everything. That's how, much, that, that, that's how much they loved and that's how much they cared for them. But the master wasn't just mastering over them, if you will, and, and dictating to them. And, and obviously there, there, was a, there was a place in each and every one of their lives, but they were all family. And, if, and, and here's this, and even if the slave, if a slave was born into the family through a slave... That child still belonged to the family. Now, you put that in context this morning. 
We all enter into a relationship with Jesus, right? We were born again because of Jesus, born into the family, adopted into the family, if you will. We were slaves to sin, but thank goodness for Jesus Christ because we are no longer slaves to sin. Can I get an amen this morning? But we were adopted into his family. We are loved. We are taken care of. And Pastor Matt was saying eloquently this morning that, man, we are taken care of beyond beyond our understanding, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your sorrow, your struggles, whatever it is that's on your heart this morning, understand that God hasn't forsaken you. God hasn't left you this morning. He is right here next to you this morning, encouraging you, saying, I'm with you. Just lean on me. I understand what you're going through. Jesus understood. There ain't nothing that you're going through that Jesus had not gone through. That's what I love about my God. He sent his son in a relational way that he could relate to us in our struggles, in our, in our fear, in, in every area of our life. Man, you've been betrayed. Guess what? Jesus was too. You've been hurt. Jesus was hurt. You wept. Jesus wept. He understands where you're going through this morning. I, I want us to look really briefly in John chapter 1, verse 12. And it says this, but to all who believed him and accept accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Did you hear that? The right. You have the right as a child of God to enter into the blessings that were from Abraham because of Jesus Christ that are now bestowed upon us because of our faith in Christ Jesus. You are a child of God. You're going to hear that over and over again. You are a son, a daughter, an heir of the Most High God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible tells us, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Abba Father. Everything that we believe Everything that believers come into and that we walk through this truth of God and what he has done for us, that we are adopted by him because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are children. See, we're not just sinners God saved. I understand that Jesus died for sins, but you've got to understand he died for you, specifically and individually this morning, not just for your sins. He, he, he's adopted us as his family his daughters, his children. But see, you're not somebody that God just tolerates. Like, ah, oh, hey, there's Johnny again. Yeah, I guess I'll give him a pat, you know, encourage him on the way, man. No, you make mistakes, and God still encourages, he still loves you. And he says, man, get back in there, get back up. I'm here encouraging you behind you this morning. Maybe you're on the mountaintop and you're just praising him. He's still with you. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter what season you're in. He's with you this morning. You know why? Because you're his child. You're not going to abandon your own child simply because they make a mistake. Oh, you made a mistake. You're on your own. Peace out. No, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to encourage them. You're supposed to bring them in and say, okay, this is what we do. This is that we just learn from those things. We don't just abandon them this morning. See, the enemy will always, always, always seek an opportunity to make you doubt God's love for you. He's a punk. This is his tactic. He's going to make you doubt at every chance. He's going to make you doubt like, oh, God doesn't love you. 
God doesn't love you. And, and the reason why he does that is because your identity is attached to that. Your identity is attached to your inheritance. Your identity is attached to what it is to, to whom you put your identity in. And that should be Christ Jesus. But if he can get you to sway a little bit and you start identifying in weird things or identifying in the way that the world wants you, you're destined, you, you start kind of doing this, you kind of do some, some side turns, you got a lot more weeds to pull in your life this morning. But he will always seek an opportunity to make you doubt God's love for you. You ever hear this? Maybe you hear it in the back of your head. Maybe you heard it from someone else. Man, if God loves you, why? If God loves you, where is he? If God loves you, how comes? That's the enemy. There's nothing, nothing short of that. That is the enemy trying to speak, speak negativity in your life, trying to speak death into your life. Because he's a liar. There's nothing that he says is true. A half-truth is still a lie. If it's not the word of God, it's a lie. And the enemy is trying to lie to this generation, trying to lie to our children so they can attach their identity into something they don't, they don't need to be dabbling in, something they don't even need to be identifying with. I believe in my heart that many of the struggles that our youth and our young adults are dealing with today are simply because of whom they identify with. Do they identify with this crowd? Do they identify with that crowd? Or do they identify in Christ Jesus? It's getting quiet in here this morning. But he always, he's, the devil is, he's just trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But he wants to go after your identity. Because, man, if he can tweak that, he can get into your family. He could put a wedge into your, your relationship with your spouse. He could put a wedge into a relationship with your children. Because you guys are on different pages this morning. But he'll go right for your children. The devil will say, if you're the son of God, where is he? Why didn't he heal you? Why didn't he, if, if he really is there for you, why didn't he show up? Uh, wh- wh- why are you struggling with this? Why are you still wrapped up in this? See, he tries to cast blame. It's his only tactic from the beginning, cast blame. Prideful nature. But see, you've got to understand something. In a real way, Jesus had to deal with this as well. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 41 had to contend for his own identity. He was called an illegitimate son. Even he had to contend for his own identity. 100% man, 100% God on earth had to contend with man that he was who he says he was. And that is the son of almighty God. But see, Jesus fought this battle, and I'd like to say that you're not, but you are as well. Contend for your identity, but more importantly, contend for the identity of your children and your grandchildren. Remind them to whom they belong to, to whom they should be seeking, and to whom to set the foundation and the rock for them to stand on in their life. But you got to contend for this. It's not based on how good you feel, how good you look, how spiritual you feel. It has nothing to do with that. How much you have done. It's not works-based. Grace-based. But you got to understand something, that you are the son and the daughter of the Most High God. When my daughter falls short, makes a mistake, she's still my daughter. She's not excommunicated and all of a sudden, oh, you're somebody else's now. That's somebody else's mistake. She's still mine. When we make mistakes, we're still his. Come on. 
But here's the difference. My daughter knows that I love her, but my God is constant. My emotions and my responses might go like this, but my God is a rock. My God is consistent. Every time that she goes to him, he's going to be consistent with an answer, and it's going to be spoken with life and truth and edification to build her up and to encourage her and to move her forward, not break her down. But her God, her rock, will always be with her. And then I got this idea. I'm like, man, what does Scripture tell us about our identity? What does Abba Father, what does our daddy tell us this morning? You know what he says in Scripture? He says, I am a co-heir with Christ. I am a child of God. I am alive in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ whose strength gives me the strength. I am forgiven. I am free indeed. I am God's workmanship. I am the blessing of Abraham. I do not have a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I am created for good works. I am a shining light, and I am accepted by God. You are accepted by God. Just simply coming to him, broken, on your knees saying, God, I am broken. I'm destroyed. I'm at the end of myself. And there he is from his perspective, being the most high God, no one above him, no one greater than him. So he has the perspective, and he can put a hand down and say, come on, come on up. Let me help you up. I I see what you're struggling with, but would you just reach out to me this morning? But our identity is so wrapped up in our inheritance. But we have to understand that you cannot walk in the inheritance if you don't identify with the one who gave it to you. I'm going to break it down in a real sense. When my mom, when she's old and she, she passes on, I, it, it usually works out, I'll get whatever inheritance that she passes on to me. But you know what? If I didn't identify as her son, I wouldn't receive her inheritance. You follow me this morning? So if you want to receive the inheritance, if you want to receive the blessings, if you want to receive what God has for you and for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, you have got to identify with the Father. Everything that you do, everything that you say, the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you live, it's important. But your identity has got to be in Him. Know whose you are. We've got to fight for our sons. We've got to fight for this generation. We're fighting against what the world is trying to, trying to put our, our children in boxes. Trying to put our children in, well, they're this kind, or they're labeled as this. Well, they're spectrum this, or they're this. They're dealing with this. They're putting us in boxes, and what they're doing, and, they, and then I know they know what they're doing, but they're dividing us. We're doing it within the church. We're dividing one another, and that's the enemy's tactic, is to come in and divide. Put a wedge in. But we need to come in united, and we need to cover our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. But Lot was Abram's brother. He's actually a nephew, technically. But he was family. He took 318 that were born in his house to fight with him. And and from what I understand, not one of these individuals questioned Abram's motives. Looking at the scripture in Genesis, we see his family was mobilized. Come on. When somebody gets far away from God... Now, I don't know about you, but I understand this concept of well-being in the military. If somebody has fallen or injured in the battlefield in the military, we go to great lengths to make sure that we obtain that person and we don't leave that person for the enemy. So why are we doing that as a church? When people say, I don't want to go to church anymore or I'm struggling with this, why do we just say, oh, I'll just pray for you. I'll just pray for you and you just go on your way. 
But why aren't we grabbing a hold of them and saying, no, 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 brother and sister, come here. What, what is it that you're struggling with? What can I help you with this morning? Can I pray for you? And not just pray for you and say, I'm going to pray for you later. But I want to put hands on you right now and believe in Jesus that he's going to touch you right now. He's going to reveal things. He's going to break chains. He's going to break strongholds in your life. Man, we've got to take some ownership of this as a church. We can't just leave people easy pickings for the enemy on the battlefield bleeding out. Some people are struggling in church. Even here in the pews, we got to reach out. Stop being uncomfortable. Don't let the enemy say, well, that's just weird. You're going to lay hands on them and pray? Yeah, that's what the Bible tells us to do. I'm not saying you got to get all weird and, you know, Benny Hinn it. But what I'm saying is you got, you got, to, you got to pray. you got to believe in faith that Jesus moves. And God moves the same as he did 2,000 years ago. He's moving the same today. And he's going to continue to move from generation to generation until Jesus comes. Come on, got to get an amen this morning. But you know that person that says, I'm not going to church no more. I don't like it. I'm not getting fed. I, I'm hurt. Man, reach out to them. Grab a hold of them and say, why? Ask those questions. Yeah, it's awkward, but ask those questions. You, who knows what God will reveal in their lives? But I, I, I don't want to leave them out there because if we leave them out to the world, we leave them out to the enemy. They get to a place where they're like a castaway. They're written off, and even worse, they're forgotten. Oh, I, don't, I, I look, and I, I know some people that have left church, and all kinds of churches, and it's almost like, man, you remember that person? You remember that family? And then something just hits me in the spirit and says, man, I could have done a little bit. Like, I'm not going to go chasing people, but, man, I could have just said something like, hey, God loves you. Can I pray for you? Are you struggling with something? Like, recognizing that they exist and recognizing that God loves them. And you know what? If he wants to use me, baby, he can use me. Doesn't matter my voice is going out. Doesn't matter anything. God, if you want to use me, use me. But we can't be like Hezekiah, who after being told, his descendants would be brought into captivity. Man, he had the boldness and audacity to reply in Isaiah chapter 39, verse 8. Verse eight and he says this, crazy. At least there will be peace and security in my life. What? Are you crazy? Man, we should never be responding like this. I don't want peace. I want growth. I, I want people to come to Christ, and I want them to grow in Christ. You know what? If that takes a sacrifice on my part, baby, let's do it. But we need to do it together as a family this morning. But we can't just fight, but we've got to fight for them, but we need to fight by their sides. You know, intercessory prayer is amazing. I'll never demean intercessory prayer, but sometimes somebody just wants to be noticed. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story of, man, I sat in church, and God said that he was going to speak to me, and there was somebody in the back, and, man, they had a word, but they were uncomfortable week in, week out, week in, week out, and that person felt alone and abandoned by God, but he wanted to use somebody to do it. Get out of our comfort zone this morning. If God's speaking to you, man, say something. Encourage someone. You have no idea the difference it'll make in someone's life this morning. The greatest weapon we can place in the hands of our generation is an example. If we're not praying, how can we expect our children to pray? If we're not being obedient and walking out, how can we expect our children to do so? I can talk all day long, the power and the move of Almighty God. But she wants to see it. She wants to see it in a real way in my life. Am I praying? Am I stepping out? Am I sacrificing? Am I communicating to people? Am I doing what God called me to do? 
But our, our children are going to receive this, not because of what's taught, but what's caught. So what, are, what example are we setting? At Father's Day, what example are we setting in the household? Man, God has checked me up on some things this week, and i got to work on. And I know you guys are all there, too. I'm struggling with this. I'm not communicating enough. I'm not doing this. And he's not bringing condemnation, but he's trying to bring correction because it starts with us, guys. We pray for revival. We pray for all these things to happen, but we got to check ourselves and make sure that we're in line so our spouses can be in line and then our children can be in line as well. And it just trickles down. Sometimes I like, I want to be the scapegoat. I'm like, ah, man, are you sure it was me? You know, maybe my wife can take that role. No. No. If we're struggling, my wife looks to me and said, why aren't you getting with God? Come on. You need a, you need a woman in your life that's going to you know, point at you and challenge you and say, man, I know you ain't praying. Uh-uh. I, I know you're not getting with him this morning. But we need that in our life. But men, Father's Day, come on. It's time to step up. See, revival in our own families. I, I preach and I pray for revival in, in the church so it could be spread across the valley. But men, it starts in our house. It starts in our house. Man, if our house is not in order, forget about church. Forget about outside these walls. It'll be crazy. We'd be running around chasing after all kinds of shiny things. But we got to get right with the Lord. I'll stop there. Just get an amen. Abraham also fought for their freedom. Man, I love that word, freedom. Man, in America, we enjoy that to the nth degree, don't we? Freedom. We have a concept of that. But I want to look into John chapter 8, verse 31, real quick. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Praise God. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, man. Jesus speaks nothing but the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. So if the son has set you free this morning, stop walking in chains. Stop walking in bondage this morning. You are set free this morning. But here's the thing. The prison door opens. you got to walk out. You got to walk out. Don't look around and say, man, I was pretty comfortable in here for a little while. Get out. He wants to give you the boot. It's your free. Set free. Live your life in that way. I want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 for a moment. For you have been called to live in freedom. Not in bondage, not in slavery, but in freedom. My brothers and sisters, us, each and every one of you here this morning, But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Abraham's family was literally being hauled away by evil people, led by evil people. Hostages. But man, he was willing to fight for his family. Are you willing to fight for your your marriage? Are you willing to fight for your children? Are you willing to fight for your city? Are you willing to fight this morning? Co-workers, man, families, friends, I don't care who it is. I want them to be set free from the, 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 the devil. I want them to be set free from the bondage and the addiction and the habitual circles of being in prison because my daddy was in prison. Man, I'm done with that in Jesus' name. 
But it's going to take us to be mobilized, to pray on their behalf. Man, we got to take some risks. A lot of the stuff in the Bible, they had to take risks. They had to step out in faith, which means you don't see what's coming ahead of you. You don't walk on faith, you walk by faith. So as you take a step out, God reveals something else in your life. Equips and mobilizes his people to move step by step by step. Because I've said this multiple times, man, if he gave us a PowerPoint of my life, if I knew from, from A to B, I would mess it up. Step two, I'd be messing up. Oh, we don't need that instruction. Come on, guys. You guys got instructions and you build things, toys for your kids. Man, I have all kinds of screws and extra things. and all kind. I'm like, man, I just must have been a better engineer, I guess. But we jump ahead because we think we know it. But step by step by step, it's time we pass this greatest treasure, the legacy of freedom to our kids. See, I teach my daughter the value of freedom in two different ways. The first way I teach is the value of freedom that we experience here in the United States of America. This is one of the freest countries in all of the world because of sacrifices for men and women in uniform. But most importantly, so she understands the freedom that she enjoys and she realizes how blessed we are as a nation that we get to do what we do and worship the way that we worship. But she needs to understand that we have been set free from sin, that we have been set free from bondage, from addiction. If you just lean on Jesus Christ this morning, we have been set free. That's what I want to pass on to my daughter and for her to pass on to her kids. I want to fight the battles that I'm fighting, and I want to win them in Christ Jesus because she's going to have her own. She don't need my baggage. She don't need to be fighting the same fight that I, was, that I was fighting because if she is, that means I wasn't being a good example. I wasn't, set, I wasn't severing ties in Jesus' name. I wasn't severing a generational things in Jesus' name. I was setting her forward and saying, Jesus, I, I'm working on my stuff, but man, get her up. I want her to do better. Come on, parents. We want the, our kids to do better than we did, right? But be an example, Lay out a foundation of freedom. Teach your children. You can pass down those chains. That's easy to do. Pass down your your baggage, your junk, your debt, your life. Or we can pass down change. Say, man, my dad was this way. We were broken as a family, but we we stood on the firm firm word of God and said, from this point on, we are going to change and we're going to walk out God's will. Therefore, when you walk it out, it will be easier for you and you will continue to move forward for the destiny that God has for you. But we've got to set that foundation. So you're free this morning. It's so important. I don't want to pass down chains. i got some startling statistics. 70%, 70% of all children whose parents are in prison or in jail go to jail themselves. This needs to be severed in Jesus' name. Addiction, self-destructive behavior. You are more likely, 80% likely to pass that on to your kids. Man, so don't tell me that your life doesn't matter. Man, your first ministry should be your family. It does me no good up here to preach and have people come to Christ if my family is lost. If my child doesn't know God, that's on me. If my wife turns away from God, that's on me. Guys, that's on us. Your first ministry is your family. But we live, how we live and the choices we make matter for generations to come. I want to live free. I want to live for Christ this morning. I want my daughter to have excessive freedom. I don't want her to 
ever have been in chains or in bondage or have strongholds built up in her life. I wanted that stuff to come down in Jesus' name so she could walk out her call, the call of God in her life. But it starts with us to walk in the freedom. Let's not pass down the debt. You know, I saw this picture the other day that, you know, you got your, your, your mom or your grandma, and they got the garage that starts opening up, and they look, and all the junk, this is all yours someday. I don't want to pass down that stuff. All that stuff they didn't want to throw away or sell at a yard sale. Right? Come on. We can get, uh, I thought it was funny. Apparently not. Lead balloon pop. All right. But let's not pa- pass down junk. Let's pass down the blessings. Let's pass down the word. Let's pass down the truth. Let's pass down a foundation they can set their life on this morning. Can I get an amen this morning? Abram, finally, Abram fought for their true inheritance. True inheritance. I want everybody to say inheritance this morning. See, we see that in Genesis chapter 14, verse 21, King Sodom told Abram he could have all the goods he recovered, all the riches. Man, that must have been so much. The, the, the shiny coins, the, the, the possessions, so much to offer. But see, what I like and what I see in Scripture is we see a different response than I think we might in the world today. Abram refused to receive from man. He said, uh-uh. I only want what God has promised me. So therefore, you can't take credit for what I'm walking in. You can't take credit for the possessions that I have. Only my God can take care or, take, or provide for the possessions that I have and take credit for that this morning. God's inheritance. I want God's inheritance. I don't want man's inheritance. I don't want my, my, my mom's garage full of junk. I, I, want, I want the word. I want the living word to breathe over me. And to change my life, to bring correction, and to encourage me, and to lift me up this morning. But see, Adam didn't say, I want to be rich. He said, I want God. I want what God has for me. Abram wanted everyone to know that his strength and his inheritance only came from God. God alone. See, the tithe stakes the claim to the whole thing. The principle of firsts. That Pastor Matt was talking about uh, when we were receiving the offering. It's so important. It's not just the concept of I'm just giving, but it's putting God first. It's putting God first in everything before yourself. And that's what I love about fasting. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I'm going to say it anyway. Fasting, such a, such a biblical principle and something that is so missed by Christians today. Because what you're doing is you're literally laying something down that you hold dear. Like me, it's coffee. Man, I fast coffee. Y'all are going to know it. I'll I'll put oil on my face. It's not going to make a difference. You're going to know I'm fasting. But I set that time away, but I don't just do it to suffer. It's not Ash Wednesday. I don't put ash on my forehead just to suffer. I, I I want it to mean something. So instead of that time, I'm replacing that time with God. I'm saying, God, the first thing I do before my brain turns on is I get to that coffee machine, man, and I make it. But instead, I will worship you during this time. And I'll set that that time aside, and I will worship you. It's the principle of first, putting him first in your finances. He doesn't need your finances. He wants your heart. He wants your heart, not your money. He could do more with that 10% maybe that you could do with all 100% of that. And that's just the truth. But more what he's getting at is your heart. But we see the king offering Abram some land as well. But see, you've got to understand something that God promised him 
the land. Not a piece. Not a little, bit of, a little bit of dabble over here, some green pasture over there. No, God said, I promise you, Abram, the land, and I interpret that all of the land, everything you set foot on will be yours, and it will be given by Almighty God. Don't take the cheap imitation. Only what God has promised. See, the world's going to offer you substitutes in life. Something that's a, a little bit shiny, and oh, look at the shiny coin over here. It might be a little bit to what God said, but it's not 100%. That's not God's, not God's will for your life. I, I want to read a scripture this morning out of Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. We have to understand something, that even Jesus was tempted. I told you he was relational. There's nothing that you have gone through or that will go through that Jesus had not. Jesus was tempted in this way even. And the scripture says, again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. See, at times the devil is going to offer you something that is close, but not quite what God promised. But it, because it is not exactly what God promised, it'll derail what it is to have for you. So maybe you're moving in a, maybe a, a job or a ministry, and man, it, it looked good, and, and it matched almost to what God spoke to you, but not quite. That's the enemy trying to derail you in a real sense this morning. So unless it is 100% in line with what God said, it is not God's will for your life this morning. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21, I like the English Standard Version. And it says, An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. Did you hear that? Something good outside of God's timing is bad. Something that God intended for you to walk in this morning is only good if it's in His divine timing, not your own. Sometimes I don't like God's timing. Sometimes I feel like he, he cuts it, baby. He cuts it to like the last minute in my life. But you know what? He is always faithful, and he is never, ever, ever late. He's just not on my timing. Thank goodness he's not on my timing. Man, there's so many times that would mess it up. But the devil said he could have it all. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe, maybe, maybe not even the devil. Maybe just someone or the world or just your own thoughts. That's sometimes I think we give the devil too much credit. Maybe just in our own thoughts, you think, man, just that looks good. What a great opportunity that is. But if it's not God's will for your wife, life, run. Always promising. The world's always promising. Always wanting us to just yield the knee. Just a little bit. Oh, just yield your, your, your morals, your beliefs, just a little bit. And God's telling you to stand on the foundation that I have set for you and walk in obedience Rest, and this is a word that was spoken over to me years ago that I live my life by. Rest in the peace of your obedience. Regardless of what it looks like, knowing that you are being obedient to God, you can rest in peace in that. No matter what comes your way, no matter what obstacles come your way, you can rest in the peace of your obedience. Now, I don't care what comes in my way. I know I'm being obedient to God. I know this is His will for my life. I know I'm struggling, but my God is with me. He hasn't forsaken me. But we can't lower our expectations because our children are watching. And when you have a child, it changes everything, doesn't it, parents? It changes how you communicate. It changes 
It changes just, just about every part of your life because you want what's best for them. But you know what? They need to see us struggle, but they can't just see us struggle. They got to see us walk it out. They have to see us in with our faith and walking it out to the end and seeing the end result, not just the, the blow up or not just the frustration or not just the whatever, but man, they need to say that there was restoration on the other side. So no matter what they go through in life, they don't have this skewed version of, well, I'm just going to struggle my whole life and I have nothing to lean on, but they need to lean on God and knowing, baby, I, I, I'm in an argument. I'm, I'm in a frustration point in my life, but I serve a restorative God. I serve a God that is faithful. But all the things that I can pass down to my child, I want to pass down the things of God. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The inheritance from Almighty God is not perishable, it's unspoilable, and it's unfadable. The inheritance that my mom will give me, they'll, they'll be rusted up and the moss will eat them, but the inheritance of Almighty God will not. But you need to understand something. There's been a spot, there's a reservation for each and every one of you this morning, seated at His table with your name on it with your inheritance and with everything that comes with that. But first and foremost, you need to come to Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed. I I, want to close in reading this prayer from the Apostle Paul. But it's also my prayer to each and every one of you this morning. In Ephesians chapter 118, the Apostle Paul prays, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to all those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God, power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So you got to understand something that the inheritance is reserved for you. But you need to respond with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm closing the service this morning. I want to extend the invitation to you this morning. Man, maybe it's the first time you've ever heard this. Inheritance. But in order to obtain the inheritance and the blessings and the things of God, you first need to come through Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give anybody the opportunity, if you have never accepted Christ as your personal, relational, not religious, relational Lord and Savior. For more information about Christian Faith Center, please visit experiencecfc.com. Thank you for listening.